mercy and peace to you from God, our Creator, from our Savior, Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the one who is present right here in our midst. And we, of course, have our live stream people gathering with us, so the Holy Spirit is present wherever you are or wherever you go. So as some of you know, I was recently on a trip to the Boundary Waters, and one of my rituals I do right before I walk out the door to go on that trip is to take off my watch and throw it in the desk drawer. I like to just sort of release myself from time when I go up there, and I do my best to not pay too much attention to it. We always say you eat when you're hungry, you go to bed when you're tired, and you get up when you're done resting. So on this particular trip, I came home with just a bright red patch of sunburn on my wrist and it was like itching and peeling and sort of awful which I think tells you that that patch of skin was bright white <laughs> had not seen the sun uh, in this year and um, it also kind of says how tight of a grasp that watch has on me right perhaps you can relate uh, many of us just can't or just don't spend too much time away from the clock. And I know even for many retired people, it's like the dream, right, to get away from the schedule. But um, many of you have said, I'm more busy now than I ever was before I retired. So for me, the clock tells me when to get up, right? Wake up, wake up, wake up. What's next on my schedule? when I need to leave to get where I'm going, if I'm gonna be late or early, even by just a couple minutes. Sometimes uh, the, the clock or my phone will say, leave now to be on time. <laughs> so we are very tied to these. We trust the clock to tell us, oh, it's lunchtime instead of our stomachs. Oh, I'm hungry. I find myself then, because of this sort of being tied to a clock, I find myself getting a little more irritated with unexpected delays or changes to the schedule or interruptions to the thing that I'm doing in that moment. So all that is sort of preamble to help us think about how much we need this uh, topic for today, this fruit we are called to bear, the one of patience. Patience. Just as a reminder, we're going through the fruits of the Spirit uh, this summer and how God calls us to be people who bear fruit in the world. That we don't live lives just to ourselves. We, we live them to bear fruit in the world so that others may come to know who God is. So in a culture that is so uh, dedicated to productivity in every mo moment, constantly looking for ways to be more efficient, a culture that is sort of obsessed with not wasting a moment of time, right? Everything is in an effort to be more efficient. Cultivating patience may be one of the most important ones for us and most difficult for us to bear in this world. So I wanna just start with where we learn about patience. And we learn about patience from the character of our God. I think many of you may know uh, this really repeated refrain uh, from both the Old Testament and New, but one of the places we hear it is in Psalm 86, where this psalmist prays to God, O oh God, um, O oh Lord, you are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, 
and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Have you heard that before? Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and, pa- and, and faithfulness. Now, the word from, from that piece that we translate into English as patience um, is much better translated than patience as slow to anger. Slow to anger. This description isn't just found in that one psalm. Of course, it's found repeated over and over and over again. One of my favorite places that it gets repeated is in the book of Jonah. And just a very brief synopsis, Jonah's supposed to go somewhere he doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to go because he thinks these people aren't worth uh, preaching to. So when he preaches to them and they do exactly what he says, they become exactly the people God wants him, them to be, Jonah throws this little temper tantrum and he says, I knew it! I knew you were going to be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He gets upset. Now, God is nothing if not consistently patient with us, even sometimes to the chagrin of God's people. Now, you and I, having been created in the image of God, we are called to demonstrate some of these characteristics of our God, or at least work toward this way of life in our um, day-to-day life. So God is slow to anger. More often than not, I hear the opposite described of human beings. I don't know about you, but we say they have a short temper, right? Short temper, quick fuse. Uh, People who fly off the handle or they get hot under the collar. These are the opposite, right, of being slow to anger. We have a lot of examples of the opposite of patience. We don't really lift up or have a really good word for long of temper. It sounds sort of strange on our lips to say something like that. It's not a description we use. But I do think whether or not we have the language for it, we all know a person who demonstrates it, right? I bet we can all think of somebody that we would say, oh my goodness, they are so patient. They are so slow to anger. They are just unflappable, right? Do you know somebody like that? I I think immediately of my grandma, and I'm thinking especially of her today because July 4th was her birthday, and that was our our big celebration. I don't know if we knew what the 4th of July was. We just knew it was grandma's birthday. But she taught me how to play Scrabble. And so as I learned to play Scrabble, she exhibited a vast amount of patience. At first, I'd just draw my letters, and I'd plunk down any old word I could think of. But then I would watch her. And I, I learned strategy from her, and I learned how you make bigger words, or you, you want to make more than one word on a play, or you want to strategically place your tiles on the bonus points. And so when it would get to be my turn, I would just stare at my letters and the board, and it would take me forever to make a play, because I wanted to find the best possible play. And she never moved me along. She's, you, you take your time, you make your play. I mean, she just was so patient in allowing me to do that. Uh, She waited for me to uh, learn and grow and mature as a player. And let me tell you, that took some time. (laughs) Now, when I think about that example, and I line it up alongside this image of God who is slow to anger, do you know the common denominator there? It is relationship, right? These are people who are in relationship 
with me. It's a relationship of love. When we love, when we love another person, we are much more willing to be patient, to be slow to anger, to be understanding of that person's mistake or immaturity or even indecision. God created us and loves us, and so we are told again and again, mistake after mistake, failure after failure, that our God looks at us with love and is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Being patient means a willingness, then, to sort of yield control to another person. This is not something that we are so good at either. I mean, think of the noun version of patience. It's a patient, right? So in the healthcare world, this is a person who has yielded the control of their care to another person. The first week we started with the the series with the fruit of love, and I said, well, that was just because it's first on the list, but that it also might be the most important. Um, Because all things lead back to love, and I think that's what we find here in patience. We yield control to others and to God. We are patient when we are in relationships with people we love. And so this is our God at work among us, yielding control. God does not coerce or force our hand. God waits patiently for us to respond in the same way. And patience is not merely for our own benefit. It is for the sake of neighbor. So patience then becomes not something that we can just check off the list, right? A to-do list. It requires this sort of mental shift in how we are willing to be willing to respond to others, how we devote ourselves to others. Our culture tells us that patience looks like passivity or weakness, that we should just forge ahead. Oops, I lost my microphone. We should just forge ahead and be um, forceful and decisive and, and uh, controlling, right? But this is not how Jesus calls us to live. The question that we have to ask ourselves is not about if we have the time for love, but if we love the people that we spend our time with. Now, as we worship in this space today, as I opened with, we have an obvious change in front of us that has already and will continue to demand patience and love of God and neighbor from us. Construction projects, if you've ever done one in your own home, they always take more time than you think they're going to take. There's always a few little hiccups that we didn't expect to happen. And then at the end of that, we're moving in with new roommates, new, new partners in our ministry, and that is never without the need of patience and probably compromise as well. Now, as we have moved forward with our uh, three-church partnership, we have held um, this value in front of us, that with the love of God leading us, we can do more together than we could do separately. I mean, that's, that's been the reason that we have entered into these relationships. So we keep that in front of us as we navigate all of the changes and challenges and disappointments and setbacks that may come along the way. 
that we are yielding control to God and to one another. Now, one of the big pieces of this uh, three-church partnership is this uh, commitment to govern by consensus. Some of you may have read this in our partnership agreement, but we have this uh, commitment to governing by consensus. And so our board of uh, directors has nine members on it, three from each of the three churches, and all decisions are made by consensus, not by a majority uh, rule, Uh, It means everybody has to be in agreement. And as you may imagine, consensus takes more time and it demands patience. I want you to know that the the president of our board of directors is Sarah Borgerding. She's a a member of our Lake Nokomis Lutheran community. And Sarah was recently talking to me a little bit about this consensus governing and how it's been for her she has in leadership in in this present role as president of our board but also in her career in leadership in the healthcare community is that everyone core values everyone is heard she told me if you come to the table you have something to say and I want to hear it I have learned a lot from watching Sarah lead these meetings. She knows how to draw the voices of each person out. She um, speaks with love and gentleness and kindness. She does not let only the loudest or boldest voices have the whole floor. She lifts up the voice of each person at the table. She leads with patience reflecting the image of our God, right? Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Now, operating by majority rule would certainly be easier, right? It would be more productive, probably, than this consensus model. But what we are learning as we practice consensus is that the process can be so much more fruitful than the ultimate decision itself. And I actually think that God cares less about the final decisions we make than, than the people that we become along the way in the process. So that's my question for you maybe today as you head back into your week or the month ahead. Who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? As we grow in our understanding of patience and love, we yield control. We devote ourselves to the other, and then we begin to see these two things happen. First, we see something happen in us on a a day-to-day basis, right? If we practice patience and love and the yielding of control, we notice those person-to-person interactions change just a little bit. We notice the small irritations kind of lessen. We filter our responses. We find opportunities to practice patience and love wherever we look. But I think there's a second thing that's happening, kind of a a bigger picture thing happening when we make that intentional effort to practice this on a daily basis. We notice that hope begins to swell in our worldview. Hope begins to swell in our worldview. Our text today from Romans 8 says that the whole creation has been groaning. I love that word groaning groaning for belonging, for reconciliation, for wholeness. And we know this. 
We have seen this kind of angst in our neighborhood, in our city, in our country, in our global community. And so with patience, we wait for justice and for peace and for reconciliation and for healing. It it reminds me of that quote from Martin Luther King Jr. where he said that the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. By practicing patience, we are yielding control to God and to our neighbor. And then our minds and our hearts are bending and they are being shaped in the way of hopefulness. This is really big, and it's really good news that God continues to be at work among us in this way. So with patience and grace, we keep on saying, thanks be to God. Amen.